Today is Wednesday, January 4th, and you're listening to the Morning Announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm your host, Sammy Sage, and the Morning Announcements is your daily five-minute breakdown of the headlines that isn't afraid to take a side and roast the most consequential reality show there is, our government. Yesterday was the first day of the new Congress, and like most things in these times, the day was unprecedented. Normally, the first day of a new session of Congress begins with the members of the House of Representatives voting for the new Speaker of the House, who technically could be anyone, whether they're in Congress or not, but it usually is the leader of the majority party. The expected Speaker, Representative Kevin McCarthy, was so confident that he would win the Speakership that he actually moved into the Speaker's office on Monday. But when the time came for voting yesterday, McCarthy lost three votes in a row for the leadership role. Not only that, but Donald's Kevin actually lost support over the course of the day, ultimately falling over a dozen votes short of the 218 he needs. As of now, there is still no speaker, so the House will reconvene tomorrow to continue voting. But we can't move on without noting that this is the first time in 100 years that a House speaker has not secured their position on the first round of voting. But what can we say? Kevin has proven exceptional. In case you thought the Republicans were only falling short when it comes to electing their own leadership, it also appears that they're not going to do anything about their new colleague and now sworn-in representative, the one who calls himself George Santos. However, there is one governing body who will do something about Santos, and it is none other than the government of Brazil. Brazilian law enforcement announced that they intend to revive previous fraud charges against Santos, where they alleged that he stole a checkbook in 2008 and spent almost $700 under a false name. Santos himself even admitted on social media in 2009 to stealing this checkbook from the owner of a clothing store that his mother used to work for. The same mother who died twice, miraculously. Back in 2011, a Brazilian judge had ordered Santos to respond to the case, but by that time he was already in the United States. Now, officials in Rio de Janeiro will make a formal request to the U.S. Justice Department to notify Santos of the charges. And whether or not he responds, the case will go forward and he will be tried in absentia. If he's found guilty, he could be extradited to Brazil and forced to serve up to five years in prison, as well as pay a fine. With his own money. Clearly, that needs to be specified. Sorry, George. We'll say a Jewish prayer for you. And by that, I mean a Jewish prayer, not a Jewish prayer. We have yet another significant story about questionable ethics surrounding the Supreme Court. New reporting from the New York Times has revealed that a nonprofit known as the Supreme Court Historical Society has raised over $23 million in the past two decades from corporations, law firms, and special interests that often have relevant cases or business decided by the court. For some background on this organization, the Supreme Court Historical Society was founded in 1974 by Chief Justice Warren Burger and was ostensibly created to restore and maintain Supreme Court history, as well as host lectures and annual dinners. You know, what people in DC would call a rager. The Times has found that at least 60% of donations came from corporations, lawyers, or firms that argued cases before the court. For example, in 2021, the oil company Chevron gave a donation while they were embroiled in a Supreme Court case where cities were attempting to hold them accountable for their role in climate change. And while the donations do not go to the justices or the court itself, those donations buy access to events that are attended by justices and their clerks, which create an opportunity for contact with the court that someone like, let's say, Jane Roe wouldn't be getting. 
I will just point out that for an institution with its own historical society, this Supreme Court sure didn't have a lot of respect for precedent. This reporting also comes at a time when public trust in the Supreme Court's impartiality is at an historic low, though Chief Justice John Roberts has largely ignored this issue publicly. Instead, Chief Justice Roberts has just released his annual year-end report, and instead of mentioning those potential conflict of interest issues, he chose to focus on the safety of the court's justices as a result of the protests against the court's latest decisions. Last year saw an extremely heightened level of security threats against public officials at all levels of government. Even after President Biden signed a bipartisan bill that expanded security to Supreme Court justices' immediate family members last June. I mean, if John Roberts wants a glowing review of the Supreme Court, may I suggest he talk to the new representative, George Santos? I hear he has a uh, healthy imagination. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights has reportedly received 19,000 discrimination complaints in the last year, which is more than double that of the previous year, and has broken the previous record in 2016 of 16,000 complaints. The majority of complaints allege discrimination against students with disabilities, though a significant number involved discrimination on the basis of race or sex. In many cases, reforms to deal with complaints include educating students to recognize and report discrimination and training school staff how to respond, though the Department of Education will release a full report in the coming months, assuming that they don't need to get their Amazon wish list fulfilled in order to get it printed. And for our final story today, we have something scandalous involving a private island and a man who didn't kill himself. Last week, the Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands, Denise George, filed a lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase in which she accused the bank of turning a blind eye to Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking scheme because it was financially beneficial to them. For some context, Epstein's private island, Little St. James, where he frequently flew minors, is located in the U.S. Virgin Islands, which explains the jurisdiction. The lawsuit alleged that the bank, quote, clearly knew they were not complying with federal regulations in regard to Epstein-related accounts for over a decade because of, quote, the deals and clients that Epstein brought and promised to bring to the bank. According to local reporting, the Attorney General had filed this lawsuit last week without informing the Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan. And now a week later, Governor Bryan has fired the Attorney General after four years of service without a stated reason. Sounds like the Governor will be taking the Lolita Local on this one. Thank you for listening to the morning announcements. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our premium extra extra episodes where I deep dive on less covered, but extremely intriguing topics. Last week, we explored Saudi Arabia's newest project, a country within their country known as Neom, which they're creating as a technologically enabled tourist destination with progressive laws. And it will be funded by the Saudi public investment fund, as well as outside investors. The episode examines what Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman could possibly want to get out of this project and which communities he's kicking off their land to get it done. And of course, please rate and review the morning announcements on your favorite podcast app to help keep us growing in 2023. Until tomorrow, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on. Betches.